Hello and welcome to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast here on the Boink Network Discord server. I am your host, Jamie Hyman, joined today by Adam Savage. Woo! And welcome to Mythbusters. Mythbusters! <laughs> so, uh, I lied. No, just the usual J Ringo here. We're joined, joined by Delta. But today we are doing Boink Myths, and we are going to bust as many of these suckers as we can. But first, a general intro. This is the Boink Radio Podcast. You can join us every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Boink Network Discord. You are welcome to join us in the voice chat or the text chat as we talk about Boink and some science stuff and, you know, whatever you want to talk about. Bring a bring a question, bring a, bring a news article, and we'll talk about it. Today we got quite a crowd. Uh, I already know one of us is drinking some rum, and I was already uh, told that you cannot put lime in rum, so I apologize to that. Anyone else drinking a beverage, go ahead and throw it in the chat. Well, Delta, you tell us about your delicious tea that you made this morning. Yep, uh, second last packet in the in the bundle, so i got to go and buy some more soon, but this one is pretty simple. It's just uh, Chinese jasmine, uh, and uh, the ingredients are quite interesting, actually. If you listen to the ingredients here, it contains green tea and jasmine. That's it? That, I was, like, waiting for yeah. something else. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's... Oh, it, I'm, I'm glad that I made a tea this morning. It's freezing here in Australia. Two degrees Celsius, 30 freedom units. And, man, I'm wearing two jumpers, two pairs of socks. It's oh, freezing. It is a, there's a thin layer of frost on the lawn as well, I think. Uh, they said on the news, we're going to have a surface temperature of about negative one or negative two degrees Celsius. Wow. That's, that's tragic for you. I am sweating every day. Every minute of every day. I feel like I'm in Australia Welcome or something. <laughs> this is what we live with in Australia. Can't we just like average our realities and, and just live there sometimes? Unfortunately not. We're too far away from the equator. Yeah. Oh, call me Foxy saying it's 37 degrees Celsius in uh, in the room in a few months. Oh, man, that's that's going to be uh, not pleasant. Oh, boy. Everybody, wear your coats, drink your water, depending on which part of the world you're in. Stay safe out there, eh? But wear a mask. <laughs> wear, wear a mask. Oh, man, I just went grocery shopping, and I have, like, a, my mask is a, as a ski mask, and it is way too warm to wear as a mask. You, you look like, uh, what's it called, the, the serial killer in that horror movie or, what, or something, right? That is so specific, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not good with my movies, but you know what I mean. Oh, well, guys, we got so many people. Where's everyone from? Throw it in the chat. Let's see where we're all from. We got a Central Europe. Uh, we got uh, a okay, Florida. Got Australia, Australia, Australia. Australia. Another Australia. Western Australia. Fe- What's PH? Uh, Balkans. We got Germany, UK, <laughs> Israel, Philippines. This is boink. This is boink right here, oh, boys. Balkan. Okay, I've never heard that. And then we've got an age range here from 18 to over 60. Like, look, look at us. We are fully rep. We should make some decisions because we represent all of Boink right now. We should have a quorum. Flag. Should we make a Boink flag? Make we should make a Boink, Boink flag. flag. Yeah. <laughs> the logo is very pretty. We should turn it into a flag and uh, hand them out at the uh, the virtual Boink workshop, which we'll be talking about right after this intro. Okay, so as I was saying, the Boink Workshop is going to be virtual this year. Hopefully, we really haven't started planning it at all. But we got people who want to help plan it uh, because there is no physical workshop this year. Do not go to Germany. Still a huge shout out to the Wreck and Craft team. But uh, yeah, we want to make it virtual. We want to have some events going on. We want to get some updates from some projects. We want to have this all happening this fall when the weather's nice everywhere at all times. And uh yeah, so if you want to help organize a virtual Boink workshop, do reach out to us on Discord or uh, wherever you want. Uh, we generally do not check the forums. So, yeah, not there. On the Discord or email us at boink.network at gmail.com or tweet at us at boinknetwork, and we'll get in touch and get some stuff going. Uh, like Bring a 360-degree camera as usual. There we go. It's The virtual workshop is being hosted live in Australia. <laughs> I hope so, because we do have a um, we have a robotic 360 degree camera, so you can like drive it around and like move it around and swivel and, and can shake. we control it? 
like from the internets, like oh, one of those fish tanks. You have to be in the room. It's via Bluetooth. Yeah, yeah, but like we put commands in, and then the robot moves based on our commands. Like people you who feed me animals on farms. Yeah, you can send me a command, and then I'll figure out whether I want to do it or not. <laughs> oh, this sounds so exciting. We actually we got to get going on this. Okay, it's June now. We'll, we'll get going in the next couple weeks. Get this thing started, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, come reach out if you want to help. Um, the more the merrier. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, next on the news list, before we get busting on some myths, um, there are new runs for Milky Way at home. Uh, that's that's basically it. Some new tasks. That's pretty cool. Uh, Milky Way at home is doing end body simulations to figure stuff out about that space thing you got up there in the sky. Um, yeah, so jump on Milky Way at home if you want to hop out with these tasks. Uh, what else? What else? Oh, this is coming from um, mind modeling. They are thanking everyone for all the fish and uh, for the fish, everyone. Good job. Thank- Let me. Cl- <laughs> are you clapping by smacking the tail of two fishes together? So that's what it sounds yes, like. I got some barramundi the other day. <laughs> barramundi is that some sort of Australian that's magical fish? fish? Yep, <laughs> the national oh. fish. It's on our flag. <laughs> You have a national fish. I mean, we probably have a national fish. The better question is, you know, is it actually the national fish? No, it's just okay. Australia. I'm Googling right now. One. All right, so what's happening with my mom? Hold on, hold on. I'm Googling. Um, what is the hmm, national okay. fish of Australia? Oh, you the answer, ask. the answer on answers.com is one of many. You cut out, you cut out. It says we don't have a national fish, but barramundi is one of many popular species to pursue. <laughs> That's what they say, barramundi. What do you call it? It's a barramundi, mate. Sorry, I feel like falling into an Australian accent is kind of offensive, but <laughs> I don't know. It's not, we aren't offended. If you get offended, we'll call you a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, shots fired. It also says that the Murray Cod, I can't do it. The Murray Cod is also iconic. Is this true? Um, I guess, yeah, the Great Murray River. Goes to, I uh, guess. <laughs> Those are Australians' fish for the week. We will not be making that a weekly segment, but uh, mind modeling is losing an admin and gaining another one. So goodbye, hello, and thanks for all the fish. That's basically what's happening over there, right? Yeah, uh, that's it. Cool. So that is all the news for this week. Uh, wait, is it? No, there was an SSL issue for a couple projects, but it seems to have been sorted out. Does yeah, it? Um, there was a bunch of projects that had uh, their security certificates expire. So what this means is when you connect to their website, it'll say that it could be a security risk, but it, all it is is just they've run out of encryption. They just needed to renew it. Uh, most of them are all done it. Uh, if you're still having issues with submitting tasks, getting tasks, or accessing their website, you should definitely contact the project forum. Yeah, or jump on uh, Discord here and we'll get you to the right spot. Um, cool. Now that's all the news for this week. Uh, by the way, no, I've got Cruncher of the Week this week. I know who it's going to be. Um, it's going to be. And I'll find out when I say it. Jeez. I just rolled my eyes at you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, uh, comes is mentioning here in the chat uh, that uh, Formula Boink is happening. Uh, I'm not entirely fully versed on Formula Boink, so we will check this out and talk about it next week. Uh, but apparently their server has crashed. <laughs> but do you keep an ear to the ground for Formula Boink challenges? Is that what are you yeah, saying, Delta? You can hear that servers fall on the ground and hear the, the earthquake that happens when the servers... That's what that sound was. Okay. Um, All right. Well, then that said, it's time to bust some myths, man. Woo! <laughs> cool. Yeah, you want to kick us off with a myth? With a myth? We have a couple in chat, yeah. but go yeah, for but- it. I've been taking them down in chat, and I have a little bit of a list on it. Um, so just to introduce what we're doing here, this is the myth-busting time for Boink, and we are going to be talking about some myths and misconceptions that new users or pretty much anyone might have re- with regards to Boink, and we're going to hey, debunk. Delta. Yeah. Myth-conceptions? Oh, man. No. <laughs> nah. Yeah, nah. <laughs> Carry on, mate. Carry on. Okay, okay. Um, so the, yeah, there's, uh, new users often come with a lot of questions and they have a lot of misconceptions too. And so hopefully, uh, we can get these people in the chat here and ourselves to sort of, uh, give some questions of what some new users might, might have when they start up Boink and maybe some myths that we, um, that Boink has. And so the first one, um, was, uh, someone asked, um, 
and I've actually seen this a lot in new user forums. Uh, when you install Boink, does it uh, open a security risk to hackers in your computer? Uh, and the answer, the the real answer is no, it doesn't. Um, Boink tasks, Boink the Boink application itself, uh, the way that Boink tasks are made, the way that Boink tasks are computed are very very safe. So long as you choose one of the reputable projects, one of the well known projects, um, you got stuff like Einstein at Home, Milky Way, basically anything we talk about radio is um, a uh, reputable project. And so they're all fine with their applications. Yeah, a little more on that real quick. So the the project you're choosing is building the, the work unit to send to your computer. So that's why if you choose a reputable project like World Community Grid or any of these others, they're not going to put a virus in their work unit. Uh, and then with the other projects, the ones that aren't run by major entities or whatever, I mean, if a project has been around for a very long time and has been crunched by a lot of different people over a long period of time, and basically... Yeah, basically, the longer it exists and the more people that crunch it, the less likely it is to be a malicious project because someone would have figured out that they have a virus and then they would have narrowed it down to the fact that it's that um, work unit. And that's part of the beauty of open source. It's not that these applications might be open source, that the work units being given to you are open source, but like it's the same open source mentality. Uh, some smart person is going to figure it out if there's a bad thing going on and then uh, let everyone else know because the fact of the matter is most people are, are generally nice. Yeah, we're talking about hackers here, but well, there's also the people who will let everyone else know that they found a virus from this one project. So the, the, the rule of thumb Delta just gave is great. Reputable projects are the safest and then popular projects that have been crunched for a long period of time are also very likely to be safe. And then otherwise, you know, if it's a project you know the admin to, uh, they're probably safe uh, and, and stuff like that. So just uh, best practices right there. Yep. And I'm doing uh, computer security at university, so I could give a bit more of a technical of um, in this, in, in the case of Boink, there are really sort of, um, th there is really two vectors. So it's either the Boink manager itself or the actual project itself, which sends out the work units. Uh, and the application itself is fine, just so long as you get it from the official Berkeley website. Don't listen to someone giving you like, oh, hey, kid, do you want... You want some free boink.exe? Back alley like boinking? Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. It never works out well. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to those people there. Get it from the official uh, boink website. It pretty much comes up first on Google. So um, if you search that up, it'll come up. But as for the second vector uh, with the project application, uh, someone uh, mentioned in the chat, Foxy here mentioned in the chat, um, someone can inject a different version of the app onto the project service, which is entirely possible. And this has happened in other services as well other than Boink. Uh, so in the case of uh, applications, there are two vectors. It's either the distribution of the app or the app itself. Uh, so in terms of the distribution, uh, we have uh, mostly just protecting the web server that the app runs on and uh, or that the app is handed out on, which is the project servers. Um, oh, sorry, she. <laughs> uh, sorry for misgendering you. That's right. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, so it's the project servers. We defend project servers and the web servers make sure no one can take advantage of the project servers uh, or uh, we protect the app. And now with the app, it's a little bit interesting. Uh, when you go onto the Boink website and download Boink, you might notice that there are two versions of Boink. One's just Boink and then the other one is Boink with VirtualBox. Now, the reason why we use VirtualBox in some, in some instances is because the app that you have to run to do the science sometimes needs what's called root permissions or administrative permission. It's uh, if you use Windows, it's that thing that pops up whenever you try to install something and says, do you wish to make changes to this computer? You click yes, and you basically give it root or administrative permissions. And it can basically do almost anything on the computer. And that's the big security risk. So that's why we put it in a virtual box to sandbox it from the rest of the computer and make sure it can't touch anything in the rest of the computer. So it can do whatever it needs to do. And if there is some sort of security risk, if there's an app that someone happened to inject into the server, if there's a bug with the code, it doesn't destroy your whole computer. It just destroys the, the virtual box. And the virtual box is basically a virtual computer. You can destroy any a virtual computer and just load a new one up. It really doesn't matter. And that's how Boink protects your security when you run Boink applications. Beautiful. Myth busted. <laughs> Okay, uh, I got another one here. Um, there's a common misconception that I know of, which is uh, if you abort 
a task in Boink. So if you cancel a task or you stop crunching a task, or if you leave a task for too long and it goes over the deadline, it's bad for the project. Okay. And the answer to this myth is no, it's not bad for the project. It's uh, annoying so, sometimes, but it's not bad. It is. Um, and it, it is annoying for both sort of the crunches and in some sense a little bit the scientists that are doing it. Um, it doesn't, it's it's not that bad because this is, as we know it, it's a distributed system. So you do have errors in it. Um, but when you submit a task late, uh, what will happen is the project will send out another task when the deadline is over and extend the deadline a little bit. And so maybe you might hand back the uh, task while there's another one that was just sent out after the deadline and you'll have like a misconfiguration. But either way, in the end, you'll get to the, uh, you'll get to the place where the entire work unit is validated. Uh, and similar with aborting a task. So there's two ways that a task, uh, there's three ways that a task complete, um, either success, fail, or over the deadline. Uh, and so uh, with the fail, that can either be from aborting the task or canceling the task or just simply the computer failed to run the task for some reason. And so when you click in your Boink Manager, when you click on a task and click abort, what will happen is your computer will say, oh, I don't want to do this task. Notify the server. The server will say, okay, fair enough. If you don't want to do that task, we'll just get someone else to do it. All right. So there's absolutely no issue with aborting a task or going over the deadline. The server will automatically handle um, any sort of mis um, misconfiguration of tasks and deadlines. Uh, I have nothing to add except it's busted. <laughs> Next. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm just reading the ones in the chat so I can get them down. Uh, can I say the next one? Uh, I'll just one in the chat here. Yeah, if you want. Uh, Coming from Sackpop in the chat here. Boink myth. Most high-class research has access to loads of funding and resources. So Boink is mainly for, quote, lesser research projects that aren't that good or useful. Whoo, what a myth. What a myth. Uh, that one off. <laughs> what? Well, I've kicked off the first two. Why don't you kick off this one? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I would say absolutely a myth. Uh, research of all levels, first of all, use Boink, so it must be useful for everyone. Uh, Scripps, or the Scripps Research Institute, the universe, or the Institute of Protein Design, uh, all of World Community Grids research is pretty high-level research. Um, and they're, uh, they don't have unlimited funding and resources. And uh, that's why they use Boink. And at the same time, there's lots of researchers who would love to have access to computing power, but they have to wait in a line. Uh, like we were talking about last week, they have to wait in the hallway. It's a very dark and dreary hallway waiting for a supercomputer or for a cluster. And, and they have to spend a lot of money to do that. Uh, well, with Boink, you can just make a Boink project and jump on the network uh, and, and get your research done. Uh, so... I, I don't think projects that are working on the coronavirus or working on cancer research or working on climate change research or working on space exploration are lesser research projects. Uh, and I think all that information is very useful. Asteroids at Home is a great example. They're looking at asteroids in space. That's very important stuff. That's foundational research. Um, so I would absolutely call this a myth. Delta, what do you think? Um, I think you covered the uh, upper bound pretty pretty well, but covering the lower bound, if you have a project that um, can't get that much funding or doesn't have much support behind it or doesn't have that programming base that can allow it to make a project server, host applications, send the applications out to users, debug the applications, run the applications and send it back, those projects are at a bit of a disadvantage. It's more or less the traditional science where you have to go out, do the experiments yourself or run the experiments on your own computer and some of these scientists don't have the support necessary to actually set up a full Boink server. Uh, thank God that the developers are actually working on a brand new uh, way of doing Boink project servers and uh, just setting up a Boink project so that it's like 10 times easier to set up a project. So some of these lesser known and uh, lesser funded and not very um, experienced scientists can actually put on their, their work and actually get it crunched by the, by the computers on the Boink network. Amen. And uh, Smo here has a great point. He says you can mention the heterogeneity, sorry, whatever, of large research institutions. It, it, is so, it is many small groups also competing for local resources, and big resources are small when shared with many groups. That's, I think, a very succinct way to say what I'm about to say in the long form. Uh, there's, there's a limited amount of money that is given to research institutions uh, to do their very, very important research. Uh, and there's a lot of research institutions. You know, all the big colleges, all the big 
research institutions are famous. We know their names, Harvard, Yale, etc. Um, but think just like get those names out of your head and think about the number of universities around the world and then read some uh, science articles. And instead of skimming over the name of whatever university did the research, read it and be like, oh, I didn't even know there was a university in that city. There's, like, there's a lot of researchers and, and many different institutions out there. And to give an example of how little funding they get, um, the NSF, the largest funder of science in the world, National Science Foundation from the U.S., has a budget for $8.28 billion for 2020. That's barely anything uh, compared to how many people have science they would like to do. Uh, so it's, it's just they need this this research. Big and small entities use Boink and could benefit from it. I was just going to point out the, the funny thing with universities, how their naming schemes often um, are a bit hypocritical to their actual location. Like There's a university here in Australia called Western Sydney University, and Western Sydney, you can assume, is to the west of Sydney. However, one of their campuses is in Sydney. <laughs> so just pointing out the naming. I don't, I don't get these names, man. We should just yeah. call everything University A, University B, University C. We should just call it. Well, <laughs> let's name everything court. in a hexadecimal. <laughs> do it in court. I say, oh, University A is. Anyway, mm -hmm. um, next myth. Uh, I'll start this one. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, especially with new users and also existing users too. Uh, can you use Boink to heat your home? Wow, what a good myth. <laughs> what I'm doing right now. So yes, definitely can. Okay, I'm not using it to heat my entire home. I'm just heating my room here. Um, if you've seen my webcam before, um, I'm basically in a little brick igloo, I guess. <laughs> in that's, that's accurate. Um, but yeah, uh, I have uh, Boink running right now. I'm running, what am I running? Yo-Yo uh, at home and Einstein at home. Uh, running on my computer at the moment. Got both the CPU and GPU running. It's heating up my computer. I've got my fans turned up. I'm about to turn them up to max. They get up to maximum now. Uh, they're pumping out all the hot air, uh, although it's not that much. Uh, it still does significantly heat up my room because my room is basically one big insulator. So uh, it is possible. Nusi uh, brings up the aquarium heated by Boink. We actually talked about this last week, and I think you shared a picture uh, of someone who's setting it up, right? I think that was Rig of the Week last yeah, week. That, yeah, that was Rig of the Week last week. So <laughs> was, um, you, you can get water cooling for your computers. So instead of cooling it with fans in the air, um, what you can do is you can hook it up to a special sort of like, I wouldn't call it an irrigation, but you could hook it up to like a pump and pipe and stuff. And uh, you can get the heat to go into the water and then carry the water away to a place where it's good. Sort of like how air conditioning works. Um but uh, yeah, and they were using it to actually warm up an aquarium. Uh, I don't know how effective that is. I probably wouldn't take any sort of that advice to heat an aquarium because I, I don't. I'm not a marine biologist or anything, but I I don't think it's healthy to to heat up an aquarium to a particular degree without some sort of control. But um, anyway, that's up to you if you want to figure that out. But if if your fish die, don't come crying to me. <laughs> Oh man, I've had fish tanks before, and they all just get sucked into the filter. I'm a very bad fish keeper. Uh, maybe I just need bigger fish. I don't know. Smaller filter. Anyone, feel free to reach out to me. Let me know how to keep fish. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not a big fan of keeping pets. Uh, my family just has a dog. Right? Oh, I love dogs and a lizard. My brother has a. Oh, that's a great pet. Yeah. Um, okay. So I was asking me how many watts does my computer use? Hold on. Um, I don't know the exact number. Uh, I have a power supply that that can go up to 750 watts, but I'm pretty sure that my hardware doesn't use any more than 300 or 400 watts. So it's a pretty okay heater. I, I have seen um, some people uh, before. Um, they've actually built dedicated boink rigs that act as heaters for their rooms. And uh, I think I was talking to one uh, a while back, and they uh, they said, yeah, it works pretty well. And so what they have is just one big, huge, really thin computer, actually. And they have a bunch of fans on the side of it, and uh, they have an intake uh, at the bottom, and then outtake fans at the top. Uh, and... Yeah, it's uh, someone says in the chat, it's great for winter, uh, and in summer it's not so great. And actually, interestingly enough, if you take a close look at Boink statistics, you'll find that there's a big cycle. So uh, in the Australian winter, uh, which is the American summer, you'll see a large drop-off in computing power because people are turning off their rigs, it's too hot. 
And then when it comes to the American winter or the Australian summer, you'll see it climb back up because there's a lot of computers in America, not that much in Australia in the Southern Hemisphere. And so you'll see the cycle of the Boink uh, recent average credit, if you want to go and check that out. Uh, you'll see that it actually cycles pretty pretty interestingly. wonder if someone uh, could set up a model that predicts the season based on number of Boink rigs, like predicts temperature. Uh, of, a, of a region and you can model that that'd be pretty fun yeah that'd be great it's a nice school project for anyone oh. interested in this sort of geeky thing make a point project for it there you go point prediction.net <laughs> all right next myth next myth we got mr bus people are bringing him in the chat Whew, we're gonna run out of time it's before we get spinning. to him all. Uh, another myth coming from Sackpop, uh, a boink is a super techie thing that you need awesome hardware and tech skills to participate in. Oh, what a myth. Uh, no, short answer, uh, long answer. Uh, every cycle counts. When you combine, this is going to tie into another myth, but we'll save that myth for a separate myth. Um, when you combine all these small computers working together, you get a giant supercomputer. It is one of the fastest supercomputers in the world. It's a distributed supercomputer, yes. Yeah, so it has specific pros and cons. And we compared to a, a, a centralized supercomputer, and we talked about that in the hardware episode uh, a couple weeks ago. But currently, the Boink network is running at about 30 petaflops of processing power. That's a lot of processing power. And sure, there are enthusiasts on the network who uh, buy hardware specifically to get the most credit and to like get their cycles up and their contributions up. But a lot of this is just folks with a phone or a laptop or a PC, a gaming PC, whatever, contributing. And uh, that adds up quickly. Uh, when you think about the, I'm, I'm just going to bring it into another myth that was brought up and Delta, then we'll come, uh, feel free to jump in here. But the other myth is that uh, supercomputers are far more powerful than smartphones and regular computers. So the Boink computational uh, contribution for research isn't that great. And it's similar uh, concept to the other myth because it's just not true. Uh, there are so many computers in the world. They're everywhere. Uh, every phone, every desktop, every car, every smart fridge, every smart object is a potential contributor to the global distributed computing network. Whether that's folding at home, whether that's Boink, whatever it is, there will be a couple of them. Boink will probably be one, but they're going to be huge computing networks. And let me just give you some numbers here. Um, these numbers uh, these numbers were fetched in, I think, 2017 from a, a paper I helped put together. Uh, so I'm just going to read directly from it. Uh, an iPhone 6 is capable of running 7 gigaflops. Uh, if we assume all 2.5 billion smartphones in circulation operate at this level, and this is again from like 2017-ish, uh, smartphones, smartphones form an, a network that is about 17.5 exaflops. Uh, so that's just an iPhone 6. If these smartphones are idle half the time, we can say that the potential processing power of these of the global smartphone uh, computing network, if they were all iPhone 6s, is about 8.75 exaflops. Now consider that there are expected to be over 5 billion smartphones in global circulation by 2020, so that's this year, and that not all phones are iPhone 6s. Uh, a lot are much more powerful than that, and a lot are less powerful than that, but the less powerful ones uh, deprecate faster than the more powerful ones because of Moore's Law. So it's, there's just so much processing power in phones alone, let alone computers everywhere and everything else I said. So both these myths completely busted right there. Kaboom. <laughs> All right, um, I have something to add to that. So uh, you don't need the most special, fanciest, brand new hardware to crunch Boink. Boink is compatible with a very, very large range of hardware. You can It pretty much crosses every single operating system barrier. So Linux, Windows, Mac OS, Android, even uh, ARM systems uh, for those running Raspberry Pis or Odroids or other uh, single board computers. <laughs> And uh, it it expands lots and lots of hardware. Like I have a I have a graphics card in my computer at the moment, which was released in 2011, and it still runs Boink. Although I I have driver issues here and there, but still it can run Boink. And uh, you don't I picked that graphics card up for actually only fifteen dollars at my <laughs> at my local computer store because no one wants a graphics card that crap. But I picked it up. I said, hey, I'm going to use this for, for Boink. Hopefully it'll go to some someplace better than just simply sitting there in a computer store. 
You still have a local computer store? Yeah, we still have computer stores here. Oh, all mine are closing. It's, it's very sad. All the small electronic stores are going out of business. It's... Well, yeah, we have we oh. have um, a couple big ones here, but yeah, the small ones are struggling at the moment. Uh, uh, but yeah, pour I, one out for like your local the, computer store. I like the humble computer store because you get like the bin full of like old computer stuff that people like donate. Yeah, I don't want this graphic card anymore. You can just chuck it in the in the um, local bin, and then they slap a little price tag on it. Fifteen bucks for this graphics card, easy. Then yeah, you just help some kid build their first computer and get hooked into engineering. It's like, oh, come on, great, that's wonderful. Ah, sidetrack right. though. Thanks, man. Uh, this uh, I have one here that sort of ties into um, what we were just talking about. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, supercomputers are far more powerful than smartphones and regular computers. Uh, so is the is your point cont- uh, computational contribution really that significant? Um, this one's a sort of hard one to give a very definite answer on, but technically, the your own single and personal contribution is pretty insignificant compared to a supercomputer. However, the contribution of the whole Boink network is equivalent to a supercomputer. So that's my answer to that one. One of the fastest ones, too. Like. Yep. It's up there. It's really up there. Have um, you ever I seen the movie Ants? Oh, um, I think so. I think so. Yeah. It's And the bad guys are grasshoppers, and the grasshoppers make the ants pay a food tax every year. And there's only like five or six grasshoppers. There's probably more than five or six, but they're like maximum a dozen grasshoppers. And they come and they beat up the ants all every year and take their food. Life? Is that but I don't think that's Bugs Life. I think that's Bugs ants. Life? It might be. It's a Disney movie, right? Definitely, definitely. It's an animated yeah, movie. Yeah, life. It could be a live action though. I might right, be. We, we gotta, <laughs> this, hold on. We, we got to figure it out. Okay. When you're looking it up, I'll finish the summary for the people listening. But basically, from what we said before, yeah, the the grasshoppers come every year and and beat up these ants and steal their food. But then one year, you know, a tragedy happens. They the ants lose all their food because, huh, well, the main character screws up big, doesn't he? Anyway, so, <laughs> so the uh, the ants just work together. And all the ants working together are more powerful than all the grasshoppers. So is it the common theme here is little th- little dudes working together are almost always more powerful than one single very powerful entity. Almost always in every situation. So let that be a life lesson. And also a lesson about Boink. It's a really freaking powerful supercomputer. And if you take all the computers in the world and put them working together, uh, have them working together on the same task or just in the same network, it's going to be the most powerful network in the world uh, doing science. So beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> There's lots of us doing it. And that's um i think also if i'm not mistaken someone else posted something here in the chat that um isn't running boink uh more uh more inefficient so you have to do more work on boink to get the same work out of a supercomputer uh and the answer is in most cases yes so the problem with uh boink versus supercomputing is that supercomputing is very specialized it's meant for a particular set of tasks is meant for a particular situation, so I can get that situation done pretty efficiently. Problem with Boink is that it's distributed and it's generalized. It's meant to take into account every single uh, computer on the network, join it all together, and complete some generalized task or some um, some task that could range from uh, calculating one plus one to finding a cure to the coronavirus. Okay, and so because it's generalized, you can't really cut corners here and there. You have to be able to validate work units. You have to be able to validate uh, Boink work using that extra bit of redundancy that comes with a distributed network. Uh, and so, yes, it is Boink in most cases is uh, uh, is uh, less efficient uh, than a supercomputer. Less energy efficient. Because I would argue actually is more efficient as a uh, science producer. It's a producer of results than supercomputers uh, because there's just... Anyone can access it at any time and build science projects on it. They don't need to sit and wait for permission. They don't need to then sit and wait in line. They don't need to then pay buttloads of money. Uh, They don't need to uh, basically the permission thing again. Uh, But there's just such a limited supply of actual like built supercomputers and they're very difficult to build and maintain when you're using a network that uses the computing power of hardware that is maintained by 8 billion people 
Well, it's easier to maintain because you don't have everyone is responsible for their own hardware. And if if there's eight billion ants fighting twelve grasshoppers, the loss of one ant isn't really going to make a difference. Uh, so if I don't maintain my hardware and it all crashes, my hardware crashes, that's okay. If a supercomputer's hardware isn't maintained properly all the time, it goes down and they might end up going bankrupt and then the supercomputer doesn't work anymore and then you lose access to that supercomputer. So at the end of the day, yeah, it might be more energy efficient to use a supercomputer, but it's also more expensive from a monetary standpoint and it's more there's other trade-offs you make when you support supercomputing over distributed computing uh, and if you fight for a world of only supercomputers, which I don't think anyone does, so that's a little extreme, but you get my point, right? I feel like I'm rambling at this point. Anger, we've settled it. It's a bug's life. <laughs> it's a bug's life? Bugs What's life. Ant's then? What's Ant's storyline? Uh, let's see. Because I remember a bug's life, because that's the one with the hilarious bloopers at the end. Ant's is the one with creepy looking ants. Well, yeah. <laughs> the Disney ones actually look okay. Hold on. <laughs> the DreamWorks one, Ant, the Disney one, which is a bug's life. Huh. Yeah, I don't I don't remember Ants. I remember Bugs Life. I just got the names confused, huh? Bugs Life, great movie, would recommend. It'll teach you a lot about life. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, Next myth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I have one more on my list. Um, and then after that, we can see if we have anything else in the chat. Um, someone mentioned uh, crunches. Uh, let me see. Uh, crunches get no feedback on where their computing cycles go or where their computation actually goes. So I think there's uh, this one's definitely... I know they do get feedback uh, and there are really two places where they get feedback. It's either from the scientists themselves or from the actual screensavers. Uh, I'll talk about the screensavers uh, and Jeringo, if you want to talk about the science, do that. Um, about the screensavers, when you do crunch boink, some projects program a screensaver. So uh, you can activate this manually in your boink or you can get boink to automatically activate it when you're idle on your computer which is essentially four. And so what the screensaver does is it'll actually show you a visualization of what's actually being computed. So for example, with Rosetta at home, what it will show you, it'll show you a diagram and a couple graphs. And in the diagram, it'll show a picture of the protein and what it looks like when it's folded in 3D space. And then on the graphs, it'll show you where its lowest energy point is. If you want to know what I'm talking about in terms of proteins, uh, I have done a project brief episode where I explain Rosetta at home and explain what low energy means and what proteins are and how they fold and stuff like that. Um, so if you want to check out that, you can understand that a bit more. But with Rosetta, they show you how the protein's folding and how much energy it has and uh, where the lowest energy state is. And uh, so it's really cool. Um, same with Einstein at home too. Einstein at home has a really good one uh, where it'll show you a whole big map of the of all the constellations uh, that we know in space. And then it'll plot little purple or pink or red dots that show where either, either a gravitational wave, a pulsar, or a supernova has happened, which is essentially what Einstein at home tries to find. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have a project brief, brief episode on Einstein at home if you want to learn more about that. Uh, but yeah, that was really cool. And that was actually the first screensaver I showed to someone else. Uh, my parents came and said, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm trying to find pulsars. And you just have this little like globe spinning on your computer and you can see like all the constellations and stuff. My parents thought it was cool, but I thought it was mediocre. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a burn. Uh... <laughs> That's what happens when you doing science for a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a fair burn. It's a fair burn. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to dissent a little bit here. Uh, I think it's a more of a gray area. I think there is truth to the myth, but I think there is also uh, potential for a minor busting. Uh, so <laughs> just just a minor busting. <laughs> so the uh, the incentive, the potential is certainly there for people to see where they're contribute what their contributions are doing exactly what they're doing and uh i mentioned this a lot during a lot of episodes but this was a huge talking point at the boink shop uh in chicago where the projects were trying to make it more uh clear what their what, what crunchers were contributing to and climateprediction.net actually had a really great presentation on this and the work they were doing to do it and uh, I, I haven't been able to find the actual site they they presented uh, at that workshop, but I'm sure it exists. And it was a huge improvement because the main thinking uh, here is that the people volunteer, people contribute to these types of networks primarily uh, because they want to do good stuff. And when they see what they're 
the good that they're doing, they contribute more and they continue to contribute. Uh, that's the primary driver for a lot of these uh, uh, projects. And on top of this, Boink itself has a uh, secondary incentive structure or a non-indirect incentive structure built into it. And this ties into what we were talking, an earlier myth where uh, we were talking about a uh, a lot of funding going to a lot of different places is still only it's still a limited resource, right? So the Boink network itself has a limited amount of computation cycles. Well, it, it is that's a limited resource, and these Boink projects are competing for those computation cycles. Uh, so they're incentivized to make a good user experience and to educate the crunchers as to why they should crunch their project. What, what's the science doing? Uh, what's its potential? How does each individual cruncher contribute? What does each work unit do? Uh, oh, screen saver. Exactly. Screen savers. That's why World Community Grid has a really good uh, onboarding process uh, and, and stuff like that, because it, it's they're incentivized to do that for to fight over this limited resource. But at the same time, a lot of projects do not do it well. They try and and they, they do what they can, but at the end of the day, scientists science 99% uh, of the time, and it, it's not, it, it shouldn't be expected for them to communicate all the time. It's too time intensive and you have to learn a whole different skill set. If you're a physicist, you don't have the time or the desire to learn science communication. They're two very different fields. So partly, uh, this, this is partly why we are here. Uh, Delta and I are both science-oriented uh, uh, and also uh, communication-oriented. So we're able to help these people do this stuff. But that myth, I cannot fully bust. I can only bust it a little bit. Minor bust. A minor bust. <laughs> and busted. I think it's getting a whole lot better. Um, and remember, the reason Boink started, the reason SETI at Home started, is because David Getty was watching the Apollo missions, which were communicated to the public beautifully because they had to, because they had to drum up public support for this military mission, essentially. So they had to say, we're going to the moon. Here's what going to the moon is going to do for you. It's going to get you all this technology, all this this stuff. And we're going to beat the damn Ruskies. Uh, Ruskies? I don't know what they called them. And, and SETI at Home was then made by David Getty, who was like, well, how can we drum up support for science like that again? What do people understand very well? Aliens. Here is how we're going to do it. We're going to make a distributed computing project where you help search for aliens, and we're going to make a great screensaver to go with it that everyone's going to understand, and you're going to see. It's going to be tactile almost how you're contributing to distributed computing, and it worked so well. It worked well beyond their expectations. And then Boink. Um, I'm going to say blew up, but it's like it. it uh, like branched out into many different projects, and not every project succeeded at that aspect of it. Uh, but it, they're still doing great stuff. So we just need, now need to get that that aspect of education to every project out there that wants it. Uh, and, and that's the potential I see for a lot of these projects. I say one more myth. Beautiful. All right, All right one, one more, more myth. myth, yeah. I think there was one about uh, contributors not getting paid. Do you want to cover that one? Uh, let's find it. Boink myth. Boinking takes effort and money and contributors aren't getting paid. So there's a natural ceiling and the network will decline over time. Hmm. That's a hard one to bust. Uh, but I will I'll stick to minor busting. We'll give it a minor bust. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the, the payment that crunchers are getting is the science. And I say that half-heartedly because a lot of this research is foundational science. And that's not tangible directly. You're not going to see the, the benefits of a foundational research for years, sometimes decades, sometimes a hundred years. Remember, the foundational research that gave us computers was the, the math, the foundational math. It took about a hundred years for it to give us the computer. Uh, so the the conversation going on in the chat here has to do with cryptocurrency, of course. As we've, we've mentioned before, there's, there's a huge potential here. But the, the second part of the sentence is where the uh, the myth really falls apart, or the, the myth holds holds up. It's impossible to bust the second part. There is a natural ceiling when there is no reason to continue doing something. Every single volunteer initiative falls apart if there is no financial backing. Uh, if you, listener, can think of a volunteer initiative that has succeeded and excelled, even I will even take just succeeded, but if you can think of one that excelled, that would be a great way to destroy what I'm about to say. Let me know, and uh, I will change my views. But in my experience and in my studies, I've never witnessed a volunteer 
a purely altruistic initiative succeed and excel uh, because altruism it doesn't work i'm sorry it doesn't even exist by some theories but the <laughs> the the desire to make money rather the need to make money to survive is very real and the desire on top of that is also very real greed is a natural natural human emotion we should not reject it and pretend it doesn't exist because then bad things happen so accept that greed exists and uh let it in let it in and control it that's it uh i, I think i got a little preachy here yeah. trying to give it a minor minor bust but felt to go for it <laughs> Uh, let me try and get the let me in gif up. <laughs> so people are mentioning even the, the cryptocurrencies that currently, currently exist that give uh, money to crunching, they don't make profit. So it's, but there are still a lot of people who are like, I'm crunching and it's, you know, this, this money aspect behind it, it helps me keep going because at least I'm getting a little bit back um, sort of thing. And the number of people that have come in to Boink through the cryptocurrency avenues is kind of big. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of benefits to paying people for uh, crunching. But the how you do it part is very, very, very important. And uh, whether people like it or not, people are going to get paid for contributing their computation cycles to distributing computing networks in the not too distant future. It's either going to be Boink or it's going to be someone else. And as soon as it's someone else and not Boink, Boink will probably disappear, unfortunately, uh, because they will overwhelm people. Uh, they're going to be very, very powerful networks that give out a lot of money for crunching. Uh, that is just an opinion, of course, but it seems like a very high probability of actually based on the number of projects that are working on it yeah i think i can uh, add a little bit to that i think you covered the main thing and that you're rewarded with either the science itself and having your name on the paper or something like that and the second one is um there are cryptocurrencies that do reward it um and on the cryptocurrency side of it i've spoken with uh, a couple uh, a lot of people in the community actually of of the cryptocurrency and a lot of them say that they're not in it for the money they're in it just to do the science and having a bit of cryptocurrency on the side to either learn about it or play with it or just hold it for maybe some day where you get the big bitcoin rush that we had before um they're just in it to just have some fun and do boink and cryptocurrency is just a little thing they have on the side that they get a little benefit from so uh, a lot of them aren't in it because they're just really greedy and just want to get money but they're not going to do science if they don't have money a lot of them were actually crunching boink before the cryptocurrencies came along and uh so yeah um it's not all that bad, and uh, the people aren't all that bad. And I wish there was a lot more mechanisms to get people in it and helping to crunch the science. Uh, and one big thing that would help if energy prices would decrease. <laughs> <laughs> right? And we were talking earlier about like a school uh, setting up a, a project. But the problem is schools don't have a lot of money. And now you're asking them to spend money for science, sure. But basically, you just spend money on a big thing. Well, okay, here's a little money you get back to you, through a cryptocurrency. Um, so I don't know. Is this myth busted or does this myth My hold stand? <laughs> it's what? Uh, what's, what's the thing with myth busters? They have, um, they, have, uh, they have busted and then not busted. And then what was the other one? I do not know. There's one in the middle. I can't Look remember. It up. Does someone else remember here? Plausible. There you go. Plausible. Myth is plausible. All right. All right. Should we well, wrap I, it up with Rig of the Week? Yeah. Overall, I think this is a pretty good uh, round of myth busting. I think we busted almost every myth. There's only a couple that are, are not entirely myths that are plausible. All right. Time for Rig of the Week. Rig of the Week is a segment we do every week where we highlight a Crunch's rig. If you want to be in the running for Rig of the Week, let us know by jumping on the Discord and uh, sharing your rig in the Crunching channel or the Boink Radio channel. And uh, when you win Rig of the Week, what do you get? You get honor in all caps. Honor. honor all right. And, respect. <laughs> and you get a salute from us. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, you do. Maybe even an elbow clap from Delta. All right. We'll so see. This, this week's so rig of the week. I'm trying to drum roll up to this. This week's rig of the week is Shmoogle Osukami. He has got a video uh, showing off his rig and all his gear. I posted it in the, the channel here. We'll put it in a link to, uh, to this uh, podcast. He is running an Intel i7-77K on an Asus ROG Maximus IX formula. I'm probably saying that wrong. Uh, he's running with 32 gigs of DDR4 uh, Nighthawk RAM. Uh, he's got an AMD Sapphire Nitro 5700 XT. 
uh, in uh, Thermaltake Tower 900. And I will say the tower is mad sexy. Uh, he's running on a one kilowatt Corsair power <laughs> supply. And uh, he's got a Corsair RGB uh, K70 uh, keyboard, which is also pretty sexy. But uh, looking in the rig, I think he's got that thing water cooled. Uh, and it's just, it just looks really, really cool. <laughs> and uh, I know Schmoogle also does some streaming, so you get to see his streaming setup. He's got a mixer, he's got a mic, he's got a pretty cool chair, he's got a uh, green screen, um, and it's it's a pretty sweet setup. He's got a vertical screen. I, I rarely see vertical screens, and uh, I don't know wh- how people can use vertical screens. I prefer mine all landscape. Yeah, I've got one that can go between the two, and I definitely always use it on landscape. <laughs> Yeah. I did not catch that he was using vertical. Oh, he's got a vertical to his left. He's got a three monitor setup um, and a steering wheel, of course. Uh, but the, he's got two landscape monitors and then a vertical to his left. He used the vertical for reading articles. That's what it's used for, probably. Or, or like yeah. forums and Any stuff. Any crunch boink on your, on your monitor? What do you mean? <laughs> like just use the monitor's processing? <laughs> Does it have processing? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Real question: Do monitors have processors in them? No, right? Some uh, there are some special ones that need a processor because they use um, what's it called? Uh, Nvidia. I think Nvidia has a special type of technology called G-Sync or something like that. And I think in those cases, the monitors have to have a processor because they have to link up with the graphics card. Ah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. SecPop says that uh, you also code on vertical monitors. Yeah, anything where you have to. If it's on landscape, you have to scroll every two seconds uh, to be able to read something that was earlier. Uh, yeah, that's use a vertical. Yeah, boink on smart TVs. That would be fun. That is very much possible, and that is very likely going to be a thing in the future. Someone's uh, gonna someone's gonna hack into it and install boink on a smart TV. Well, there's the Fire Sticks, right? The little uh, uh, little like computers on USB sticks. I really don't think you're gonna want to run boink on one of those. <laughs> oh, they do. So there was this guy uh, who gave a great presentation at the workshop. Uh, in Chicago on uh, running Boink on uh, hardware like that by using a stick. So you can go, you can take the stick with you and plug it into any TV or processor in the hotel and run Boink. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. I personally don't think the hardware is there for it yet, but the concept is definitely sound. And I mean, he built this thing, which is really cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, congratulations to Shmoogolos Academy for the rig of the week. Uh, give him some love if you see him in the, in the Discord. Um, and I think we'll we'll be wrapping it up here. What a great episode, though, man! Wow. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> Thanks for everyone coming by in the chat and hanging out uh, and, and submitting myths. Uh, and don't forget to submit your rig in the Crunching Channel for a possibility to win rig of the week. All that honor, all that glory, all that respect. Oh man! And we'll see you and here. Maybe a clap. Oh, did Schmoogle get an elbow clap? Let's see. Hey, he gets the clap. <laughs> it never gets old. <laughs> All right. So join us next week, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Boink Network Discord server for a great time at the Boink Radio Podcast. And Delta, you're doing a, a um, project brief next week too? Yep. I'll, I've got my next week free. Uni's over. I'm going to be doing TN Grid. I'm going to take a look at some awesome. protein folding. Can't wait. And uh, also, sorry, I didn't get your last one uploaded this week. It'll be uploaded this next week for sure. <laughs> get on. Hurry oh. up. <laughs> <laughs> gotta whip you into shape jeringo oh not in this temperature man not this heat please <laughs> <laughs> have a great weekend everyone <laughs>